My name is Tom Covington. I am a digital learning and media innovation specialist for the Bassett Unified School District in La Puente, California. And I am a member of the EdTech Army. Welcome to the Sons of Technology Clubhouse. Ditch your fear at the door, take a risk, and enjoy the ride with your hosts, Joe Marquez and Kyle Anderson. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of the podcast by the Sons of Technology. We are here around our table up in the Sons of Technology Clubhouse, ready to talk to you today about something people have been asking for us to talk about for a long time. It's Microsoft versus Google. Now, we're not going to be talking about hardware. We're not going to talk PCs versus Chromebooks, but we're going to dig deep into the different tools that Microsoft has available for education and the different tools that Google has uh, for education. And we have a great, great, great group of uh, educators around our table today. Um, so I'm going to go and introduce myself first. My name is Joe Marquez. I am an educator out of the Central Valley of California. And you can find me in the Twitterverse at Joe Marquez 70. And as always, I have my partner in, in innovation here, Kyle. Kyle, go ahead and introduce yourself. Good day, everybody. Kyle Anderson from Reno, Carson City, Nevada, special education teacher. You can find me on the Twitter at Anderson EdTech, my blog, AndersonEdTech.net, Instagram, AndersonEdTech, and um, more information coming soon. The book, it will be coming out very soon, so I'll be releasing bits and pieces of that as we go. Excellent. And Tom, Tom, this is your very first time here with us in the Sons of Technology Clubhouse, so please, welcome, 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 and introduce yourself. All right, guys. Uh, nice to be here. Thank you for letting me join you here around the table. Uh, my name is Tom Covington. I am a digital learning and media innovation TOSA for the Bassett Unified School District in La Puente, California. Uh, basically, what that means is I do digital transition and I control a whole bunch of social media for our district. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TechTomBUSD. That is at TechTomBUSD. Excellent. Thank you, Tom, for being here. I mean, we've been listening to your podcast, Tosis Talking Tech, for a long time. So this is a you know a, a great feat for us to have you on. We are extremely excited. Oh, and excited Paul, to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, that. absolutely. I mean, we we completely uh, look up to you. So thank you so much for being here, uh, Paul. You have been a, a great addition to our podcast these last few times. Uh, so please go ahead and introduce yourself as well. Absolutely. Great to be here around the table again. My name is Paul Gordon. I'm a fifth grade teacher in sunny Palm Springs, California. Uh, you can find me on the Twitterverse at Teach the Tech. And you can also find me at my website that has been newly updated and renovated, which is easy as 123d.org. That's a little collaboration I've been working with uh, Jesus Huerta, which is Jesus H 1979. We've been working on some 3D printing stuff on that website. Go check it out. Excellent. You know, we, we love Jesus. He is a, a, a great friend of the show. He's always, whenever he's on, he gives us some great 3D printing tidbits. So hopefully we can have him on very soon in our next recordings. But gentlemen, today we have something that is, I guess people are going to be called the Battle Royale. And that is the big discussion between educational tools produced by Microsoft and then educational tools produced by Google. That is the big G Suite versus the O365. Now, we really want to dig into this because a lot of educators that we talk to at Q conferences and ISTE, you know, they're they're very territorial. They're like, I am a Google teacher and they use Google products. And some are like, oh, no, I'm from the Microsoft community and Microsoft is better because, you know, what we really want to talk about are the great features of both. What what does Microsoft have? How do we use it in the classroom? And what tools are out? What what tools do does Microsoft have that we don't know about? And then the same thing with Google. What's going on with Google that that's digging deeper more than just docs and slides and 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 things like that? So we have a great group of educators here to make that discussion. And we're going to kind of break this off into rounds um, so that we can kind of have this great discussion. And so I want to go ahead and do this to start. I would like to talk about Teams, Microsoft Teams um, versus uh, Google Classroom. Um, right. They're both very similar in that they push documents out. They allow communication but mm -hmm. you know teams does a lot of great things and then microsoft google i mean and then google classroom also does a lot of great things so i would like to start that discussion and 
Tom, since this is the first time uh, with, that you are with us, and your school, I believe, is a Microsoft school, correct? Oh, yeah. Our whole district, Microsoft Office 365. Excellent. And I heard through the grapevine that you just did a training on Teams. So I think it would be great for you sure. to talk about how your district is implementing Teams right. and how that it's going to it's creating this collaboration between uh, teachers and also between teachers and students as well. Uh, sure. That's awesome. I've been like living and breathing Teams for the past year and a half. Uh, teams came out about two years ago. It was Microsoft's answer to Google Classroom. At least that's what how I feel in the education sphere. We didn't have anything to rival Google Classroom until Teams came out. And uh, Microsoft, at least in my opinion, kind of did things a little backwards. They came out with this great thing called OneNote, which is like a digital notebook. And then they said, yeah, that's a great thing. And now we need somewhere for everybody to talk and collaborate. And so they made Teams. And so they kind of slapped Teams on top of OneNote. And so it's this this big kind of environment now, like a Google Classroom, that allows you to uh, communicate, collaborate, uh, push assignments out, uh, push links and information quickly out to students, and also collaborate in a team environment with your PLC to make sharing things a lot easier. So, and yeah, you know, I, that's what we do. That's what we do as a as an LMS in our district right now. It's it's all teams. And and um. I, I've been using Teams as well in, in my position uh, for, you know, to collaborating with my, my fellow education strategists that are across the country right now. And mm -hmm. for me, it's really great to communicate that way. We can, you know, put resources in there. Um, oh, yeah. How does how does the environment look, though, when you have a larger class, um, full of 35, 40 students? And, and how right. can the teacher monitor and then ensure that the conversations that are being uh, produced in this Teams model mm -hmm. is uh, constructive and uh, beneficial? To the educational Perfect. environment oh yeah but let me tell you uh we teach well right now we're rolling out to uh we rolled out last year to grade three six and ten and then this year we rolled out to four seven and eleven and uh the biggest thing that we t we tell our teachers first is okay first mute your conversation piece because if you open up teams and you go into a team there's a huge conversation and think of it as like your facebook feed right anybody can say anything that's in that group and it'll stay there and so until we give a little bit of training to our students about what goes in the conversation and what kind of things go there, it's basically the Wild West. So that's the first thing. It's like, okay, let's teach our students how to interact in a positive and in a, an educational area in that conversation. That's number one. Uh, number two is being able to share files quickly and easily. You could do that in OneNote, but it really wasn't streamlined. In Teams, it's easy to just push out uh, an assignment real quick. You can attach anything from that's in your OneDrive. You can attach anything that's on a OneNote. You can throw a link in there. There's a whole bunch of different ways, um, just like Google Classroom, to push content out to your students a lot. Uh, we see it working really well, uh, especially in middle school and high school, where a lot of the work has become very collaborative. In our elementary grades, still a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one and kind of um, individualized uh, processes and, and, and assignments that don't really work in that collaborative nature, but they use it for like a jumping off point, like you would use an LMS. Like, hey guys, here's our lesson today. Let's click there. It's in the conversation and let's move on. So it's a great jumping off point for a lot of places. Um, it's a great place to collaborate and chat. We've had, you know, a whole bunch of students find that chat button right away. And of course, they're chatting with kids in class and it's another great time to teach a lesson about you know using class time wisely and stuff like that but <laughs> it, it makes it, it makes your classroom environment a lot more streamlined a lot more digital friendly and uh we have teachers at the high school now not bringing any paper home like literally no paper home i have an english teacher who's like you've saved me bringing paper home every night because everything is up on teams all my students turn stuff in that way and i don't have to touch another piece of paper so which, which is great because I, I used to have a picture that, that I took of one of my English teachers who would wheel this oh, giant crate of binders and papers and stacks home every Friday. I go, you go into the shredder. She goes, no, I'm going home to grade these essays. I'm like, yep, and good Lord. Bring back. And not, not only is that bad for your back, but, you know, studies have shown that, you know, when you are doing all that paper, collecting all that paper, you get a lot, a lot of different um, uh, I don't want to say diseases, but you get sick quite a bit because you're touching oh, yeah. 
all these papers from all these different kind of kids. Uh, so you're you're actually uh, uh, help helping the health of your teachers out oh, yeah. by pushing out teams as well. Yeah. Now I, I love Tom the fact that you said you know that teams is great for communication, but a great mm -hmm. tip is to turn off that conversation first until the, kids, the students. Yeah can learn how to control themselves uh -huh. because they're so used to social media being able to type whatever they want respond whatever they want so i see teams as a great training platform to how to communicate collaborate and just be great digital citizens um and oh, yeah. I, and, and and it's it's being used in businesses as well so you're training them how to work and and, and talk in a manner in a that can be professional correct yeah professional environment and it's funny we don't have trouble with our third and fourth graders in the conversation it's too much to type like they're still learning good typing skills and then our high school students they're like yeah i have a phone if i want to talk you know if i want to talk to somebody or if i want to put something out i'm going to use my phone our middle school kids a lot of them either don't have an, a phone themselves or this is like their first uh, foray into communication and almost like a little social media area so we've been having a lot of problems at sixth grade and that's really been the focus of appropriate communications when it's that. So it's a, it's a great teaching tool right off the bat. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so I, I, I think teams is, is uh, actually, I heard Microsoft say teams is the fastest adopted program oh, yeah. that Microsoft has ever produced. They told um, so us 94% nine, of fortune 100 companies use teams. Which, so which, that was, which you, if you're trying to have kids college and career readiness, boom, you're right there. You're, you're stepping into the business environment right there. Um, so, so there's, there's teams. So that's, that's a, a great platform for the distribution of work, the collaboration piece, the communication piece. So that's on the Microsoft side. Um, mm -hmm. I want to bring us over now to like the comparable uh, to that on the Google side. And that would be Google Classroom. Google Classroom has been around, um, I believe, since 2013. At least that's when the beta was pushed out. Or maybe it was 2014. It actually and just celebrated its fifth birthday. In fact, on Google Classroom right now, they have some cool little things like there's there's a little high five thing when you click it, it high fives and then like confetti comes over the screen. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, nice. it's kind of neat. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I, five years now. I remember when Google Classroom was coming out, teacher, they said, we're not ready. We're not ready. And teachers, just give it to us. Right? Just give it to us because we want to see it. We want to work through it. And so, you know, uh, Google, you know, pushes things out when teachers want it. And then, you know, they kind of, I don't want to say they build the plane while they're flying it, but they, they take recommendations from teachers uh, to make it better and better. Absolutely. Sometimes they take things away that teachers want. But I want to talk to, you know, Paul and, and, and you, Kyle, um, what do you see the benefit of using Google Classroom is and, and, and what do you see the benefits of, of the simplicity in that software? Years ago, that five years ago when it came out, I I had used tried different things for a couple of years to try to have more of a digital space for work to not haul home all the paper like Tom was saying. And I tried my, my district had these base websites. Um, through the district website. I tried that for one year, didn't like it much. I tried a, a Google site for a while, didn't really like that one much. That was when, before the new Google sites, when it was very cumbersome to build a website. Um, and you didn't have to know any coding so much, but you almost did have to a little bit to try to build some stuff. Well, and then yeah. I just used Google Calendar for a year where I was attaching docs and different things into calendar events. And then students would have to, they would have to print the stuff and whatever. So I, I was looking for something or had to be another way. And I had actually started to look into Edmodo when I got this email from Google saying, we're, tr we're rolling out this new thing called Google Classroom. Try this thing out. And this was two, three days before school started. So I'm like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. I, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm trying something new right now anyway. So I did. And the bare bones that it was back then I remember at the time being absolutely amazed by it. And now when I look at it, I realize how bare bones it was. And it was, um, as a Google developer told me once, it was very feature deficient uh, for sure. But what I find with it now, just the ease of being able to put anything into it, wh whether it's a Google Doc, it's a Google Slides presentation, you can attach Microsoft files into it. There's links that you can put into it, YouTube videos. So really just if you if there's something you want to share with a student, you can attach that in Google Classroom as an assignment as I use the materials function quite a bit. Something I want the students to work with, 
but it's not an assignment so to where they have to turn anything back into me. So just today, as we're recording this, I put together a YouTube playlist on different economic concepts that just I threw it in there as a material for my economic students to take a look at as review over supply and demand. So anything that you want to put in there, you can put that in there. And then you can use it as a communication tool, uh, like Tom was saying with Teams, where you can post announcements in there about things coming up in class, due dates for for different things. So, And then there's also, I don't use it as much as I should because I always forget about it, is the question function, where you can post oh, yeah. a discussion question in there. It could be a response question. It can be a multiple choice type question. And then... Well, that we haven't even talk, talked about Google Forms that you can embed into Google Classroom as well. So th there's just so many things you can do with it. And it, it's it changed my life five years ago, and it's still changing my life today. And yeah, so, I mean, Paul, when, what do you think? Yeah, Paul, when, when you're using Google Classroom in your class, what do you see the benefits now compared to when you didn't have a tool like that? Well, you know, that brings you you hit the nail on the head when you started talking about the old Google sites, because six years ago, I had this idea saying, you know what, I want to go paperless. I want to go to a spot where I'm not dragging all those papers around. I was that teacher. And I said, you know what, in the, I started doing some research, and I saw in the old Google sites, there was a thing called scripts, and I, I believe it's still there. Yep. And I wrote, I spent probably about two, three weeks on writing a script where I could embed into my Google site where kids could actually start uploading documents so and they would go directly to a specific folder inside my Google Drive. And to me, I thought that was the greatest thing ever because all I wanted to do was have students share with me and put them in the right folder for me in my Google Drive. And without them sharing it, it just clog up my shared with fo uh, folder. Yep. And so initially that, and then, then five years ago, they said, hey, here, try out this Google uh, Classroom where you can have everything all in one spot. And I go, oh, my God, I spent so much time away from my family writing the script where they just put it all together and they took care of that job for me. And they made it so much more accessible to everyone else by saying, you know, for that right there, I, I, was, I was really kicking myself. But what, the purpose initially for me was streamlining getting access to all the students' documents where if they were working on something, I wanted to see what it was, and without worrying about it, they could just share it with me. I had my 32 kids in that at that time, and I didn't have to worry about what assignment. I, they went right into the folder, and there it goes. However, like we were just talking about, it has evolved so much since then, to rather than just a data collection uh, website, to where now... Like they even have that full-on functionality of a grade book, and that's something where I ha I've neglected and haven't really played with it because my district still uses Synergy. Mm -hmm. But that's something where it could the possibilities are there where it is that LMS that students and teachers can use all at the same time. One thing that I really enjoy about it is the whole make a copy feature, where. I put out a document or I put out a, a form or a PowerPoint or a slideshow, slides, and all I have to do is say make a copy for every student when pushing that out. And then my cookie cutter assignment is right there or my questions are right there for all, every single one of my students without having them all start working on the same document. To me, right there, it's worth it because I, I was an anchor over at the copy machine six years ago i don't think i've really stopped at the copy machine for more than just a couple of things since then yeah and you know i, I both both teams and and classroom i i think really do relieve that copy and rizzo machine quite a bit um and then it's not only does it save paper but you know if all teachers started doing this imagine how low that paper budget would go which can boom now you have more money to spend on apps and devices for the kids so no, absolutely. Um, so I, I want to ask us this question about, about uh, Teams and Google Classroom. What is one trick that you do with this tool that you don't think others do or that you've discovered that works great for you? So, Tom, I want to ask you, what is something you found about Teams, like one, one feature it has or, or 
a, a trick that you've discovered that you think all teachers need to know about teams? It's it's become so versatile in the past year and a half. Uh, I can drop anything basically into the conversation and have a student follow a link, go to a quizzes if they want to. It's just a, a generic link. Um, I've hooked up a lot of external uh, widgets in the channel bar. So I have my own dedicated uh, Flipgrid channel that you can put in Teams now. You can embed it right there. And what I like about Teams is that it's its own environment. You don't have to have your kids going outside, getting on the internet in another place to complete your assignment. Everything can happen right inside of Teams. And what that does is that that decreases that, you know, squirrel effect where the kids are like, oh, I'm on YouTube. Oh, having that self-contained environment where you can bring outside tools in and have them almost function natively within the window is the magic that makes Teams awesome. That's great. Um uh, Kyle, what about you? What is something that that uh, a feature that you you cannot live without in Google Classroom, or uh, a way to use Google Classroom that maybe other people haven't uh, thought of before? Something I've been using quite extensively lately is when assigning a material, uh, an assignment, whatever it may be, you don't have to sign it, assign it to every student in the class. You can select students individually, whether it's one student or if you got a class 30, you can assign it to 29 and leave one off. And what I've been doing it a, a lot with it lately is I've been posting remedial and enrichment activities for students. That if I have students that fail a test and I'm giving them the opportunity to retake that test, I will put together some materials, YouTube videos and other activities, and I will assign it to just them. The other students that you know got the 80, 90% on the assessment, they don't need that stuff. They don't need that clogging up their Google Classroom feed. So I can assign it to just those students. And then another thing I have done is when we're doing group activities and they have to turn in one presentation, one document, whatever it may be, rather than assigning it to all students, you assign it to a team leader. So for this group of five, I assign it to a team leader, I get one thing back. Because even if you give the direction, this person needs to turn it in, nobody else turn it in, you're still gonna get copies of it because students aren't gonna pay attention and turn it in anyway. Or some students have that OCD that if Google Classroom was around when I was in school, I would have turned it in just so it's not showing up in my thing as unsubmitted, incomplete, missing, or whatever it may be. With that function to assign just to specific students, that that's a game changer. And that was something that Paul mentioned earlier about back in the day when it was very simple. You couldn't even sort your students by last name. It was by first name only. And now you can assign students work on an individual basis instead of the whole class. Yep. And Kyle, I think a great point to make with that is it's great for differentiation as well, right? You can definitely assign a higher level work to those higher level kids and then lower, not, I want to say lower level work, but but work that, that, that helps the remedial kids get caught up to a level, level that, appropriate that work. They, they, they are needed. Yeah. So being able to do that without the, being called out, like, okay, I'm pushing these out to this kid, I'm pushing these out. It's, they're all getting the same labeled assignment, but they're getting different types of assignments. So, uh, Kyle, I think that's a fantastic, fantastic uh, recommendation for our listeners. Yeah, you're absolutely right about not being called out because... Or, no, wait, sorry, the kids say, put them on blast, right? Put them on blast. <laughs> right, so they get an email notification for it. And then in class, I'll say, check your Google Classroom. If you got a message from me, make sure you follow his directions and see me if you have any questions. So I'm not calling yep, anybody absolutely, out. Absolutely, fan. That's great. Paul, what about you? Uh, how are you using Google Classroom in, in a different way that others may not be using it or a feature that you're like, oh, this is a fantastic feature um, and people should know about it? You know, one thing that I've been pushing lately is that I've wanted to create this positive online atmosphere where Tom was talking about it earlier saying, hey, this is their first interaction of like essentially an online social media. And I've been trying to push that concept to my fifth graders this year saying, you know, this is a positive safe space where we need to talk, communicate, and help each other. And something that I've been pushing out is saying that I'll post a comment nightly, and if anyone has anything that they want to say, talk, or anything about, they can post a comment underneath. And I'll come back and I'll take a look a couple hours later and my students will be having the conversation about, hey, I need help on question such and such or 
Does anyone know how to do this type of problem? And they're really communicating in a positive atmosphere, in a positive way to help each other out. And that's something where at the beginning of the year, I set the norms of highway comments versus dead end comments is what I call them, where a highway comment means that it leads to more conversation and helps out uh, where it's going and we're continuing on and building upon it. The dead end comments are the ones that literally stop the conversation. I'll get all the time where, hey, what's up? How are you? Hi, bye. Pay attention. Things like those, but those really don't lead to any type of conversation. They, they're they literally just there to post to post. And at the beginning of the year, I do get those, and you can mute the students while doing it, and you say, you know what? Two, two three strikes, and you're out, and I'll mute you. you. One day, you have a trial period. You're muted for a day. The next time, you're muted for a couple of days. But you really create this norm of this is how you're supposed to communicate online. And how can you communicate with someone without actually physically being there in a positive way? That's something that I've really been pushing. I, I really liked it. There's one caveat to that is that if they start pinging me and they start asking me questions and they make their own posts in uh, Google Classroom, I don't know that they're there unless I physically check it. There's no notifications if, if they say, hey, what's going on, and they make their own post. It has to be under something that I posted myself. That, that's great. And, and it, it's, it's, it goes along with that idea of, you know, part of our job as an educator is to create well-rounded students, well-rounded individuals. And, you know, sometimes teachers say, is, is it our job to teach these kids how to talk online? Is it our job to teach them? I go, well, if not us, who? If not now, when? Right. It, I mean, we it, it's become a part of our job. The earlier we can train our kids on that, that communicating digitally is the same as communicating face to face. The early we can get them to understand that, I think the better we will be in the future, because when we all we do is is wait and say, you know what, that's the parent's job. And then the parents give them a cell phone and then they learn to talk on it from strangers and their friends. That's not the best way. Right. And so if, if it's not us, then who's going to do it? And if it's not now in our class, then when are they going to learn it? So I love what you're doing, Paul, with that. That's that's pretty amazing. Um, and and I think I think what we're seeing here is that there's great similarities between the two tools, right? Um, some some is some are used in a particular way, and and then uh, others are are used in another way. But the same idea of creating a communication platform where kids can communicate and collaborate, but also a platform where teachers can push things out with ease to limit that paper use. And, 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 and to, to, to um, really enhance that feedback cycle uh, to get students to learn uh, quicker, I think is a really good thought when we're looking at both these tools. You know what, I have I, a question. I think this is a case where competition has really uh, pushed them to innovate, to match each other as much as possible so that you can't come to your district and say, this is a tool I really need and it's only available here. Like none of the things that I've heard tonight about uh, Google Classroom I, I'm like, oh, I can't do that in Teams. No, they've made it uh, um, a concerted effort to make sure that everything that you can do in one is kind of happening in the other one as well. And I, I really appreciate that because now, you know, when I go to conferences, it's not, oh, I, I can't go to any sessions because none of them are Microsoft. It's now I can go to a Google session. I just got to kind of like translate that into Microsoft in, in the background for myself. Yes, I love, I love that because... We hear all the time of schools moving Microsoft or schools moving from Microsoft to Google, and you have teachers that are up and around. like, I just learned this platform, and we just have to remind them they're very similar. The buttons may be different. They may be in a different location, but this, but everything else is very similar. So let's calm down, and let's just enjoy the ride a little bit, right? Um, you know, like I, I mean, I have 50 things I can do with Google Classroom. Wait a minute. There was a book written like that, um, but I have done some things in Google Classroom that 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 really helped me out. One of them was I would always post my daily agenda as an assignment. And when so when the kids would come in, they would see at the very top was the most important information, whether it was a test or quiz coming up, then the maybe four or five things we, we, we have planned to do for the day. And then at the very bottom, it said, hey, if you guys read this and you understand what's expected of you and you understand what we're doing today, then mark this is done. If not, raise your hand and I will come over and explain it. And so I use that not only for my role, but it allowed me to make sure this, to hold the students accountable. Because if they would come in and it was test day and they go, oh, I didn't know we had a test today. Well, you marked it as done the last five days. 
So either you're not reading it and you're just marking things or you're, you know, you're, you're being lackadaisical. But the great thing about that is anytime you post something as an assignment and put a date on it, it automatically creates a calendar uh, event. And if you post that calendar on your website, then you automatically update your website. So in one click, you not only have student uh, accountability, but now parents can visit your website and see exactly what's going on that day. So actually that routine is something I, I, I show schools just jumping into one-to-one. -one. I go, this is a routine that will save your teacher's time and, and agony later on because of the parent communication piece. That's super easy to set up. And, and if, if you get the kids on that cadence, they come in, no trouble, sit down, get out their device, open up the agenda, market is done. It's really amazing how that, that cadence in the class really works when they know what they, they need to be doing. That's the one thing I try and I instill in my teachers that when I'm training them, I'm like, this is just a new routine. It's different, but you set up routines before. Yep. Your kids work off routines, and this is just setting up a new one that's going to streamline your workflow and their workflow. And once they start seeing that in action, and once they see the possibilities of, oh, my parents will automatically know because it posts to the calendar, like they can go in their kid's calendar and see when their uh, assignments are due. Wow, novel. I, all I have to do is ask my kid, let me see your calendar. I can see exactly what's due yep. and when. And Absolutely. It's just, okay, mind-blowing. Right. And, and plus, you tell teachers it saves them time. They go, well, how does it save me time? Well, now you don't have to write everything up on your, your whiteboard all the time. Now you don't have to keep going to your website and, and keep updating it all the time. Now it's your whiteboard is your Google Classroom, and then you're automatically updating your, your website. It's a win-win-win all the way around. Now, let me ask a separate question. We've talked about from the teacher perspective to students, but one thing that we haven't touched yet is teacher to teacher. I'm just curious. I know uh, that for Google Classroom, you can add co-teachers to classrooms. You can work together, and everyone has access to it. Uh, I'm just, I don't know how Microsoft Teams work like that. Tom, can you explain a little bit like that to me? Yeah, the same, the same process. Um, if you go in and edit a team, you can put members in as either just a regular member or as an owner, which gives them teacher permissions. So I can, uh, we do that with a lot of our SPED teachers. Our SPED teachers come in, mm -hmm. they want to know what's going on. Hey, let me add you as an owner to my class. Then you can not only see what we're doing every day, you can check in on your kids' individual assignments without even having to ask me. Another way we do that is um, within just within our teacher groups. Uh, we have a lot of PLCs within our our district, like grade level PLCs or PBL or whatever. Um, our teachers get the experience of teams as a student in those teams, right? So they, they get the student experience. They know exactly what their students are seeing. And then they have the teacher experience in their own classroom. So we show them both sides of the coin and it's a lot easier for them to use it. But yeah, it's easy enough just to go ahead and add somebody as a teacher and then you can remove privileges later. So it's not like you, yeah. they have to stay there forever. And, and so. Tom, can can teachers, if they're added in as a co-owner, can can they like reuse assignments into their own class as well? Oh, yes. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing I love about Teams and I'm, I'm sure it's a Google Classroom thing too. We have a lot of high, I work a lot with high school teachers and they have two or three classes that are the same, right? Yep. And when they're rolling out lessons, um, it's just a, a little checkbox. Do you want to add this to your other teams? Yeah, I want to add this to third period and sixth period as well. So right there, you're saving time. You're not having to reinvent the wheel. All I have to do is lesson plan once, and it's there. Yep. And then if I want to come back the next year and redo all of that, it's all there already. So really, I only have to make thing, things once and then come back and revise. I'm sure it's the same in Google Classroom. But honestly, yeah. But that's game changing for teachers. They're like, oh, this yeah. is the last time I'm, this is the only time I'm going to have to digitize this unless I want to update it. I said, yeah. So do you want to, you know, plan one day right now for the next two or three, maybe even four years? They're like, oh yeah, that, that brings a lot of them over. Yeah. And yeah, I like the fact, uh, Tom, that you talked about PLCs because that's something we, we really encourage teachers to do, right? We, we always say that, you know, uh, many, uh, many hands make light work, right? Oh, yeah. And so we, what we encourage our teachers to do in, in PLCs is if you have a great assignment, create a Google Classroom where all your teachers in that department are owners and post it in that PLC Google Classroom um, so that all the other teachers can see it. And because they are co-owners of that class, they can reuse it for any of their other classes, right? And so everybody's sharing their work. And then maybe you go in one day, but like, you know what? Uh, Pete Chopesian's lesson on uh, thermodynamics is so much better than mine. I'm just going to reuse his. 
And without having to recreate anything, I'm just using his stuff, but my I'm getting my students' results. And, and that has really changed gets better. a lot of stuff. Yeah. What, what oh, was yeah. That? And then everybody gets better. Yes. Yeah. You know, I get tired of teachers who say, well, I, it took me six hours to make this lesson. Why should I just give it to you? Because you made the lesson to change lives. And the more you give it out, the more lives you're going to change. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's a simple answer, right? Do you like your, do, is that a really good lesson? Do your kids love it? Then yeah. why wouldn't you let me have my kids exposed to it? Cause I'm going to say, Hey, I stole this from Miss Topshin over there. And I'm teaching you this lesson because she's awesome at it. Yeah. It's you know, I, I, yeah. I, I used to do a, a keynote where I would just, I, I guess I would yell. People say, you yell too much. But I, I would say, look, they're not your kids. They're our kids. And so the reason I share is because every kid is my kid and I want them to have the av availability of what I'm teaching my kids. And it should be reversed as well. If you're doing something amazing, I should be able to share it. And I shouldn't have to say, oh, can I have it for 10 bucks? No, you should just say here. It's, it belongs to the education verse because I did that on for a reason. One of the biggest ways I got a, um, my fellow teachers to collaborate with me was to basically be vulnerable and say, hey, guys, I don't know how to teach this, and I've never found a good way. Can anybody help me out? Or, hey, I'm looking at the benchmarks, and your kids do awesome on blank verse. I have no idea how to teach that. What do you do because I need help? And, oh, my God, that would open so many doors. Yep. Imagine. Teachers yeah, being a little vulnerable. Yeah. Amazing, right? Uh, admitting you don't know everything, right, is is, is something we humble, hum, humbility, being humble. I think that's really important. You know, and that, that that's great. I mean, that's exactly what we're working for is to make sure that we're working on the world's children to make sure that they're all getting better. You know, throughout this whole conversation, I, 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 pre, I asked a question about how, how do teachers work with other teachers because – there's a lot of schools out there that have trouble communicating with each other where sometimes they have a weekly that is sent out on a Friday or a piece of paper hung up in the office saying, Hey, here's all the events for the day. That's something where you could use Google classroom or teams to be able to communicate um, agendas and different things to your teachers saying, Hey, there's going to be a fire drill on this Thursday, or we got a soccer game on Tuesday. Come support. No, absolutely. It could be a great, component of that communication tool. Um, one of the things that I love about Teams is it can be uh, utilized as a back channel as well, right? During a lesson, kids can go in there and ask questions. And if the teacher is, you know, helping somebody else, other kids can answer that. There's oh, yeah. really no feature in Google Classroom that does that. So that there's a hack that I do where I actually turn a material into a back channel. And so I, I put a material up there. I don't really attach anything, but I say, this is our back channel. If you have any questions during the day, post it in the comments below. And then we use that as our back channel for the day. And I can either archive that or I can delete it for the next day. So now, if anybody was wondering how to do a little back channel in Google Classroom, using the material piece and then just having them comment below is the way to do it. Now, how would something like that work, let's say, for an emergency situation like a lockdown drill or an active shooter drill or something of that nature, God forbid? Is there, would that be something where you could use it, where all teachers can be able to communicate on a single location without actually posting it or being over the air loudspeaker? I think teams would be the best way to do that, right? I mean, if you, all teachers are in the same team and they have it on their phone, it yeah, gives a notification. You actually have to have them things. all signed in, all on their phone, all looking. I mean, yeah. there would have to be some sort of like key trigger. Like, it was funny, I, I teach in a public school and one of our principals, you know, thought she was pretty funny. She was. And our, our lockdown drill over the PA, because, you know, at the time it wasn't, hey, we're in lockdown because he didn't want anybody to know. Her, her, she would come over the uh, PA and say, okay, guys, it's time for school prayer. And that was the cue. It's lockdown time. So as long as you had some sort of trigger like that where it was, okay, everybody get on Teams at this point. This is what we're using for communication. I think that might work. Uh, but it's not like an emergency alert system where it's going to ping everybody at the same time. Hey, pay attention to this. So I'm sure it could be tweaked that way. But natively, um, I, I like the idea and I think it would be awesome. But I don't know if it's meant to be used that way specifically. Gotcha. Now, I, I wanted to start with this versus right here because I know Teams is fast, is vast, is is growing at an immense pace and a lot of schools are utilizing it. And you know what? If a school... And this is, this is the big thing. If a school has access to both G Suite and Office 365, there's no reason why you couldn't use both. 
right? If you find Google Classroom as the best way to push out assignments and collecting work, then use Google Classroom. But if you want a classroom discussion with more diverse tools, then go ahead and use Microsoft Teams, right? So there's not saying, hey, if you're Google, you have to go all in. If you have access to both, use the best of both worlds. Use the tool that best fits the need at that time. Um, so there is no no reason why you couldn't use Teams for, for one purpose and then utilize um, a, a Google a Classroom for another. Yeah, I just want to make more, sure people know that. No, yeah, there are more districts that are going both Office 365 and G Suite. And I'm envious of those districts because there are a lot of things that I like in G Suite that I don't really have access to being an Office 365 district. And not only are we an Office 365 district, we're an O365 that blocks Google. Oh, yeah. So because we need to push the, the feeling, I think, when we actually got it six or seven years ago was if everything's available, we can't standardize PD and we want to get our students into tools that are being used uh, in business. We want to prepare them for after. That was the rationale that we were given. But it was like, OK, as a trainer, I love it. It's only one thing I have to train on. Right. Because being in two environments, even we had some teachers that had Macs before and, and some had Lenovo's and that was just like, okay, so let me do a training for you here. And then I'm going to come over here and address you because the, you know, the user interface on the Mac is much different than on the windows. Standardizing yeah. for training purposes is awesome, but I think that maximizing your flexibility with being able to use both is the future because your kids need to know all of it now. Yep. And, and, and they're flexible enough to be able to pick it up. You know, one thing a, a Microsoft guy told me um, when, when I was having dinner with him once, he goes, we really need to get kids more into Microsoft Teams because it's the number one fastest growing communication tool in businesses. And I go, OK, but what were they using five years ago? I go, so how, we, how do we know they're still going to be using Teams in five years, right? I go, so shouldn't it be teaching them how to communicate digitally and in yeah. any means necessary, not just one particular tool? And, well, he was like, and, oh. and being platform agnostic, agnostic. Like it doesn't matter. I, I can be able to go in and I have the wherewithal to say, well, you know what? In, in Word, it might be this. And in Docs, it might be this. And in the thing that's going to come in two years, it might look like something else. But I'm going to push buttons until I find out what it is because I'm going to be able to explore like that. Yep. It's the tech literacy. Yep. It doesn't matter what it is. And, and, you know, it's one of those self-fulfilling prophecies that a lot of people say is we have to use Microsoft in the classroom because businesses use Microsoft. And then businesses go, we're going to use Microsoft because that's what everybody knows. And so it's the cyclical thing. And I tell people all the time, I go, Google's a multi-billion dollar company. And guess what they use? They use Google. So it's possible, right? It's possible. Um, so I, I want to get move, move a little from, from this tool to the overall overarching tool of G Suite versus O365. Now, I, before we get started, though, I, I want to ask the group a question really quick. Um, sometimes teachers say that, well, let me put it in this analogy. Um, if you go to a restaurant and there's a thousand things on the menu, don't you get frustrated that there's so many things you have to look at to, to narrow down? Um, right? Yeah. But no, then if I you go, go somewhere the where there's only four things on the menu, you feel a little bit more calm because you know them and you know what you're picking and you know that you're going to make the right choice. So sometimes oh, yeah. I think people think that Microsoft's given them everything and the kitchen sink. They, they, there's a thousand things and they only know how to do 10. And then in Google, you have 12 things and you learn all 12. And so, oh, I mastered Google. Do you think yeah. that might be an issue between the two platforms is one just has a lot of stuff and teachers feel bad if they don't know it all? Um, in, in, uh, for, for the Office 5 environment, when you go into your portal, I think I have like 20 different apps available and I am proficient to be, and I train on about eight. And when teachers ask, Hey, what's that Microsoft flow or what's Microsoft booking? I said, look, Microsoft was made for a business environment. And what we want our kids to know is how to communicate, how to collaborate, how to be creative. And these are the, the eight things that we need to know for that. I said, once they get into the business world, when they have this sort of background with these nice eight tools, um, then they can explore. I said, I don't even know what some of these things mean. So don't even look at it unless, you know, we're getting trained on it. If you want to explore on your own, by all means, you know, then you can come teach me what to do with it because I'd really want to know. But until then, use the ones that you only, only the ones you need and, you know, become proficient at it. And if time allows, explore because that's a part of learning too. Yep. But yeah, it is. I, there's so many things in there. I don't even know what they are. I'm just going to be like, yep, I'm going to use 
Word and PowerPoint and Sway and Excel. And these are, these are the ones I'm going to keep. And then all this over here, yeah, they got some pretty icons, but I'm not going to click on that. So, well, yeah. Now, Tom, you mentioned a little bit ago that you're envious of those that work in a district that has both. Oh, yeah. I am one of those people. I, yeah, we have Office 365 and Google in my district. Now, for the most part, teachers are in the Google mm -hmm. universe, whereas administration and central office personnel tend to be more in the Office mm -hmm. 365 space. Uh, but our email is Outlook. We use Outlook. We don't have Gmail okay. turned on in our district. But I will use mm -hmm. both of them occasionally. I tend to go more Google because I was in a Google district for yeah. a very long time. But I also used Microsoft before that when it was just platform-based, um, desktop-based. But I have a Google Drive mm -hmm. with a lot of stuff in it. I have, an, I have a OneDrive mm -hmm. with quite a few things in it. And the thing is, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Teams versus Classroom about how they're pretty much the same tool now. PowerPoint oh, yeah. and slides are pretty much the same tool. Word and Docs are pretty much the same tool. Sheets and Excel, mm -hmm. they're the same tool. You go into Sheets and need to type in a formula, It's a, you can Google it and then find Honestly. the Excel one. And it's the exact same thing. And if I ever need something, that's the first thing I do. I go to YouTube and say, how do I do this here? Yeah. It's, so it's about finding the information somewhere and translating it into your environment. And what it boils down to in my district, whereas, again, I'm more of a Google guy, but I mm -hmm. will use the, the Microsoft stuff. It's really about what people are comfortable with. And because of the, the similarities between the two, I can help a person out regardless of what they're trying mm -hmm. to do. The Microsoft oh, yeah. one might take me a little longer sometimes just because I don't know exactly where the button is. And then in Google, they're called add-ons, whereas in Microsoft, they're called add-ins. So there's some terminology <laughs> that's a little bit different at times. But ultimately, Microsoft, we've said this on the show before, uh, Joe and I both, that Microsoft had some catching up to do, and they have definitely caught up to where now they're both, they're equivalent platforms, in my opinion. Well, you know what I think is also really great about what Microsoft is doing is they're they're now willing to share. Oh yeah. Right before everything was prioritary, they they kept everything, but now they're willing to share. I think that was the big turn that they made was they realizing that if they try to live in their own bubble, they're going to kind of go the way of Apple. And I, I don't mean yeah. to put Apple down, but they keep everything so locked down that nobody can really help and 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 really innovate fast. Whereas I think. Google allowed that and Microsoft's like, that is a good model. We're going to go down that route too. I've gone to so many trainings that are like, Hey, check out this add on for sheets and check out this and look at how easy this makes your life. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And my first reaction is like, yeah, that'll never happen in Apple just because they're so restrictive of, of their environment and they're protective of it. I thought you were going to say, Oh, don't worry. That's already in Excel. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm an Excel user to uh, not like super critical advanced stuff. Like I used to make my, my grade book in Excel and that was about it. Um, and I can, you know, throw some formulas down and, and I've had to do a lot of uh, data uh, synchronization with, with some of our like benchmarks and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm getting better at that. Uh, but you know, as I need to know it, I, I, I Google it. Yep. I, I throw it on YouTube and say, teach me how to do this. And, and it comes out and, that's part of the the awesomeness of, you know, our information age is if I don't know how to do it, uh, I know how to find it to get it done. Yep. And now there's, you know, there's one thing that I want to bring up because um, it's an experience that I've had constantly. And so I, 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 maybe, maybe they, they fixed this, but there, so when we're talking about Microsoft versus Google, I'm only going to talk about the O through 0365, not mm -hmm. the, installed actual application on on a pc i'm going to talk all okay. about the web version okay every time that i've utilized word 365 or powerpoint uh, mm -hmm. online three i always have a lag always and yeah. that causes problems because that real-time collaboration like hey i'm going to do this you're going to do this and we don't see it oh then i'm going to do it and then they pop up and layer over each other okay that's always been an issue for me yep um is is that still going on or is that getting better it, it it's getting a lot better um it's horrible when you're using desktop apps so if you're going to do anything collaborative they definitely stick to the cloud the web version um but 
it's gotten the the sinking ability of the dock. I think now that they've gotten their OneDrive a lot cleaner and a lot more streamlined, the sharing capabilities are almost, they're not as good as Google yet, but they're almost getting there to where that online collaboration is almost instantaneous. There's still a little bit of a lag and yes, it does get frustrating. And honestly, that's one of the first things we teach our kids. I have a huge project or not a project, uh, uh, activity that we do. It's called um, alphabet soup. And I put, I put a table up and it's A through Z and it's going down in one column. And then in the other column, I say, okay, you're going to go find a picture somewhere of an animal online using, you know, your insert tab and you're going to put a picture of an animal and i only want two per box and i we go through and we put a couple animals in and i said okay now we're all collaborating in the same area we gotta we gotta look out and i i give them like 10 minutes to do it and all of a sudden there's like you know eight um gorillas because everybody goes to g or everybody goes to their favorite animal and half the table is deleted and some of it's moved over to the side and letters are missing and so we talk about how a collaboration document or collaboration space like that takes a little bit of patience, takes a little bit of working through. And the big rule is don't delete anything, clean up at the end. And so they learn that, hey, there is lag time in real life and I got to be careful what I'm doing because it might affect others' work. So it's, it's a fun little thing, but it's only there because of the lag time that happens when you're working online in the office environment. Yep. And I, and I only bring it up because I used to do uh, uh, laptop trainings to all the incoming seventh graders. And my job was to train both in Microsoft and Google because uh, we didn't know what, what the teachers were going to use because our district was a dual, uh, a dual immersion district as well. And um, when I got to the Microsoft training part, I, I, I just basically would give up because the lag time was so bad in it. So I'm glad to hear that that is getting better. Um, because that is one of the only reasons why I would, I, I would always use Google is because mm -hmm. there was zero lag and that collaboration piece. I mean, especially with eighth grade kids, I mean, oh, if, yeah. no. if anything's going mm -hmm. on, you know, to, to cause disruption in the class, I don't want it to be the technology. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's enough going on. Yeah. In the background. One thing I've noticed <laughs> though, is that because Microsoft was so far behind in the cloud-based apps before you still have a lot of people that don't really realize that they can do the online version and they can do the sharing so you we in my district you'll still get attachments of yes. microsoft files instead of just a shared link or a notification this has been shared to your OneDrive. And that can be frustrating, especially if it's something that you need to, it's something they want you to fill out and return or something like that. So now you've got to do the whole open it up, download it, put the stuff in. And then I've tried to do the whole put it in my OneDrive and just share the link back thing. Well, then a lot of them are like, I, I didn't get the attachment back. It's, it was like, it was no, the link, link. it was the it. link you yeah. got to click on it but and it's a little bit easier sometimes to tell somebody who is your superior oh i'm so sorry i forgot to attach it and then you just send you got to download it and send the attachment so so yeah. there's that's one it's thing that hasn't caught up yet that could yeah, be the problem with those legacy users right yeah, they, they're, it's, it's microsoft so they shit. use it the same way they've always right. learned how to use it mm -hmm. whereas google was born in the cloud and so you only know how to use it that one way and so, yeah, you get that disconnect from those legacy users. I completely see that. Definite culture shift where you got to, you know, and how do you change culture? You change culture one step at a time. And it, it's a tough process sometimes with those. Nope, I sent you the link. It's shared with you. Just send me the attachment. <laughs> and then title it version two. And yeah, then I'll and, title it yeah, version exactly. three. <laughs> now, Paul, I can see you on the video screen and I can see the wheels turning and you've got some great things that you've got, you're going to say here. So what do you got? Well, you know what, as we're all talking about how there's a whole bunch of things uh, on Microsoft, I went in and I pulled up my little nine piece grid up in the top right corner of my Google and I counted how many products that Google offers and it is 65 that they actually currently offer right now which is a lot more than what I thought and I realized. That's a ton I'm of things. Wow. <laughs> and I go around and I start looking at them and I'm like, wait, I don't know what half these are. Like, and then I say, oh, wait, those could be very useful. Like Google Cardboard is an app that's built right in. Or you could even pull out Google Finance or Google Duo, which is something brand new. But 
and then it's like Google Keep is something that came up with the, within this last year that I thought has been a great addition on that. I just saw one called Google Collections, and I've never heard of that before. I clicked on it, and apparently all the collections I have are, are of food and restaurants and beer. Oh, so, I thought maybe that was like, uh, like the spam line. calls that I get that I have to block. <laughs> there, there are a ton of them. I'm looking at it right now. Like, there are things I haven't like i've kind of heard of peripherally like here's google flights yeah i've heard of that before but i don't know how much i'm gonna use oh i use google flights all the time it uh, is google one i just recently installed that on my phone well ultimately tom like you said with microsoft that there's about 20 of them but that you know eight of them it's the same thing with Uh google i mean right now paul you said there's 65 of them I bet you if I opened up that grid right now and looked, there's about 12 of them I probably know and use on a regular basis. Yeah. And then if you look at the Google graveyard, there's probably tools you used to used to use and they're no that longer there. I used there. to love. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That I wasn't even looking at the aspects of for business or also for developers, which are Oh, things. there's a ton more. There's a ton more. <laughs> <laughs> I would wow. there are hundreds like even for business it has blogger on there and that's something that i would have figured would have been for education so i mean as we say it it's like you know we do actually really use a lot more of these little add-ons or add-ins than we really think where it's just built into that cloud-based idea where oh yeah i already use that i didn't even think about that type of deal Uh yep and I, and I think that's the great thing about, about both these companies. Once again, I think, Tom, you hit it on the head, is that they're trying to become very much like each other so that they can kind of one-up each other, which benefits us, Yeah, that's which it. I think is great. Consumer. If, if, if the only thing that existed was Google, they would move at their own pace, right? If the only thing that existed was Microsoft, they would move at their own pace. And, and the reason Microsoft is moving innovate. so much faster now is because Google took over yeah. their education business that you know they're trying to gain back. Right. So, well, and it's because Microsoft was the monopoly for a long time and they moved at their own pace because you really thinking back the difference between Windows 95, Windows 98, and Windows ME, there wasn't much different. And frankly, all three of them were trash. And once Google in the mid 2000s started to come out with these different things, that's when Microsoft started to move a lot faster. And now, again, you've got two companies that. They're right at each other's necks, and we are all reaping the benefits. So, you know, the, the episode is called Microsoft versus Google, but I think mm-hmm. it should be called Microsoft plus Google equals we win, yeah. <laughs> right? Because yeah. because literally, you know, both companies are nipping at each other's heels to be that innovative platform to be used in the classroom, and that is forcing them to get better and better, which means this, Right. Chromebooks now have about 72% of the educational device market now. 72%. That's amazing since they only came out in 2011. That's huge. And a problem was that schools are buying them because they're cheaper, and but the Microsoft tools weren't working on them. But now Microsoft is switching their platform to Chromium, Mm -hmm. right? So their Edge Chromium is going to be what they're building all of their cloud stuff based upon. Yeah. off of the Chromium browser. So all of the Microsoft tools are going to start working much better in that Chrome environment, which is great. I've been a Tectosa for five, this is my fifth year, and every year um, the move to the cloud by Microsoft has been very substantial, where before I couldn't use any of their um, web-based tools because there was just there was limited functionality. It was so poor. Now there's there's not a difference between I think there's only like in one note there's one difference and it's record video to a page. How often am I having my kids record a video? Not often at all. So it the 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 differences have become so negligible that there's there's not a functional difference between what you download as a desktop app or what you can run in a browser. And I think that's that's a game changer. I will tell you, Tom, that record as a video in OneNote, I'm very envious of. I've been asking Google to put that record as a video uh, in Google Slides forever because I think you know kids need to do, do their work and then explain to themselves mm-hmm. what they've learned. So that record as a video um, in OneNote is great. I love that. So you know, one of the things that we've learned here really is, you know what, 
let's put our differences aside, Microsoft, you know, educators and Google educators. You know, the whole purpose that we are evangelizing one platform over another is to really change the lives of kids, right? And so we're not working against each other, whether you love Google and never use Microsoft or love Microsoft and never use Google. The whole point is we are living in an age where we as educators can truly get the most out of our kids through collaboration, communication, critical thinking, all the four C's that are out there, creativity. We are in a brave new world, and we just need to make sure that teachers are utilizing this. So if you have Microsoft teachers and that's all they want to use, let's use Microsoft and let's get going. If all they want to do is use Google, let's use Google and let's get going. Let's stop fighting about which platform and start fighting for our kids oh, yeah. and putting our energy into that fashion, right? And so basically all I want to say is at Q, at ISTE, let's put our differences aside. Let's give each other a hug and let's give each other a high five because we're just doing amazing things for our children. And that's the whole reason we do what we do, right? Yeah, that's why we're all here. Couldn't agree more. So one, before we leave, you know, so we talked about Google Classroom and Teams, and then we talked about um, the differences between O365 and G Suite. And I know we didn't get into what's the differences between Word Online and Google Docs and Slides Online and PowerPoint. It's because they're very, very similar. That's why we did not get into it. Um, but what I would like to do is I just your final thoughts, just in general, on these tools and how they have helped you not only become a better teacher or better trainer or better coach, uh, but really just to get the uh, to get voice out of your students who may not have been able to give that voice in the traditional classroom. So, Paul, I want to start with you. How have these tools really allowed your students to shine in your class? You know what? It, what I've been able to see with all my students is that even though I have 32 students in my room at all the times, I can still hear and I can still understand every single one of those students at any point in time where they don't have to be the one student that likes to talk, the one student that likes to be the nuisance in class. I can still hear from that shy kid that really doesn't want, hasn't really found their vocal voice yet, but they have had their voice in their head and they can able to, and they're able to write it down and say, these are my thoughts, these are my ideas. And I can still hear that from them even without actually hearing what their voice sounds like. And to me, having every single student in my classroom heard and understood is the, the, the major reason why I do this. Excellent. Love that. Tom, what about yourself? Uh, I think, especially from a training perspective, um, it gives a voice to everybody. It gives us a place where we can come together, uh, dep no matter what platform you use. It's all about creating an experience that is engaging for the teacher or the student. It's about being able to hear those individual voices. It's about being able to differentiate instruction. You know, just like you got four or five levels of kids in a class, I got four or five levels of teachers when I do tech trainings and being able to differentiate that and then follow up and personalize that instruction for whoever it is. I mean, that's all made possible by the digital tools, whether it's, you know, the G Suite or the O365. It's the digital tools that are making this collaboration and communication possible. And that's the power in it. We're all working better together for the betterment of all. Better together. Love that hashtag. Absolutely. Kyle, what about yourself? Uh, the special ed teachers coming out now, and that's about accessibility. Uh, these tools, again, whether it's G Suite, whether it's 0365, it, it is providing accessibility for all students, regardless of their abilities. And the tools that are out there to bridge those gaps that are out there on the Google side, things like the Google Read Write extension by TextHelp, uh, the tools within Google Docs that will uh, allow a student to speak, to, to type. Uh, and then the one that I dove into for the first time today and I'm really excited about is Microsoft's Immersive Reader. We could probably do an entire episode just on these accessibility tools. And I think it's one we should do at some point. But regardless of these platforms, kids that normally wouldn't have been able to express themselves or demonstrate their learning in the ways that they need to now they can because of these platforms yes. you know and 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 you know accessibility is extremely key and and i'll tell you right now 
Microsoft is above and beyond better than Google at that at this moment. Uh, that's where they're shining. I would I would say one of the best tools Microsoft has right now um, is Translator by Microsoft. Um, the teacher can just talk, and the kid it'll translate into that student's language that they chose within Translate. Phenomenal to really get those you know those uh, you know English as a second language students, those ESL kids to really become immersed in the classroom while they're learning the language. So I think that's extremely important. And I, I think, you know, to kind of end this episode, we just really need to know that, that, you know, you know, in, in our, in our toolbox, we have a variety of different tools made by a variety of different companies, right? You may have a drill made by Ryobi. You may have a, a wrench made by Snap-on. You may have a hammer made by a Husky, but these tools are there for a particular purpose. And so you may use uh, Google Classroom to push out your work, but then you may use Microsoft Teams to have that collaborative communication, and then you may use Microsoft Translate to, um, you know, finally get, you know, that that student from Guatemala that was put in your class and doesn't have the support he needs a chance to really shine in your classroom, and then you may use Google Sites as your digital portfolio. So you find the tool that fits your need regardless of company. You find the tool that gives a voice to the voiceless regardless of, of who's giving you that tool. Use the tools in the classroom that you know will work. That's all I'm asking. And, you know, I always say this, you know, Microsoft tools, Google tools, Flipgrid tools, all these tools. Remember, you, my dear teachers, are the biggest tool in the classroom. So make sure you're utilizing yourself as much as you can because you're the one that shines the light on these students. The tools just help to enhance that. You're the one that is really doing all the work. So, you know, Tom, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us today. We absolutely look up to you. So thank you for joining the podcast. A lot of fun, guys. I appreciate you guys asking me on, and I love the conversations. Absolutely. Paul, thank you so much for joining us again. As always, you are welcome anytime. Your voice is incredible uh, uh, addition to this podcast. And Kyle, as always, you know, my friend, my, my colleague, uh, my fellow innovator, thank you so much for, you know, pushing me to get this podcast out all those six months ago. Well, maybe it was now nine months ago. So thank you so much for. We're we're coming we close are, to a year are. at this which, point, my man. Which, by the way, yeah. you know, came into fruition at a conference where Kyle just walked up and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm so-and-so. And I'm like, hey, you know, we haven't met each other in person and we hit it off. So if you're following someone on Twitter and you see them at, at, at a conference, just walk up to them and say hi, because you're already best buddies, right? Just make sure you make that contact with them and say, you know what? We're in this together. We are here to change the world from the bottom up. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Thank you for being here in the clubhouse with us. As always, keep on fighting, keep on innovating, and make sure you ditch that fear and do what's right for your kids. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, we are all members of the EdTech Army. Thank you, and have a great day.